0: I guess the question is, can these services bring lawyers and clients together to provide more legal work for lawyers that's meaningful to people who today wouldn't even consider hiring a lawyer? Perhaps they don't see their issue as legal, don't see a lawyer as a problem solver, or don't think they can afford it.
1: Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrosi, bringing you the latest legal news and observations with the leading experts in the legal profession. You're listening to Legal Talk Network.
2: Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrosi. Coming to you from outside of Boston, Massachusetts, where I write a blog called Law Sites. Also host another Legal Talk Network program called Law Technology Now, along with Monica Bay. My co-host of this show, Craig Williams, is in court today and unable to be with us. So we're gonna plot along without him. And before we introduce today's topic, I'd like to just take a moment to thank our sponsor, Clio. Clio's cloud-based practice management software makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. Try it free at clio.com. That's C-L-I-O.com. Well, in 2016, the legal directory site AVO launched something called AVO Legal Services, a service that provides fixed fee, limited scope legal services through a network of attorneys. Ever since, the organized bar has been pretty sharply divided over the propriety or the ethics, I guess, of lawyers' participation in the service and others like it. Several states uh, in recent years have issued ethics opinions against the service. Last week, the Illinois Attorney Registration and Disciplinary Commission published a report that kind of goes against the grain insofar as it recommends that Illinois loosen its professional conduct rules. And I'll say loosen is my word, not theirs, and we can talk about that. But loosen its professional conduct rules to allow attorneys to participate in this and similar services. The report has now been published for comment and is not uh, by any means a a final action, uh, but uh, it's already been generating quite a bit of buzz. So today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to talk about this report and uh, talk with the author of the report. So let me bring him in now. I'd like to welcome to the program Jerome Jerry Larkin, who is the administrator of the Attorney Registration and Disciplinary Commission. Jerry is responsible for administering the agency, which registers Illinois lawyers and investigates and prosecutes allegations of ethical violations. He was licensed to practice law in 1978 and joined uh, ARDC as staff counsel then. He's investigated, litigated, and appealed countless attorney disciplinary cases over the years. Later served as a senior chief counsel, assistant administrator, and uh, deputy administrator before becoming administrator. Welcome to Lawyer Lawyer, Jerry Larkin. Thanks, Bob. I'm very happy to be with you today. But Jerry, I want to kind of just start at the basics. I, I just kind of talked a little bit about what uh, ARDC does, but tell us a little bit more about what the Attorney Registration Disciplinary Commission is and what it does.
0: Our organization is known by its acronym in this state, ARDC. I'd say in the last 10 to 15 years, we've focused a lot more on education and helping lawyers to serve clients better. So we investigate and prosecute, but we are not an integrated bar state. We uh, are an agency of the Supreme Court of Illinois, and we have a board of governors, and uh, while that may be helpful to understand uh, our progress on studying this issue of matching services, we see it as a study. We've put out frameworks in the study. We have not recommended to anyone yet elucidating, to use your terminology, but indeed, those concepts are
2: all over the study itself. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about all of that, but what was the genesis of this study? What started you looking at this issue and thinking about what led to your producing this report?
0: Well, it began at least two years ago, and it is responsive to our state's studies and concerns of the access to justice and access to legal systems issues together with the employment situation for Illinois lawyers, particularly younger lawyers, and we worked very carefully with the organized bar, the Illinois State Bar, the Chicago Bar, and actually we had one meeting with those representatives and a representative of AVO and LegalZoom. We thought it was important to bring everyone to the table and talk through these situations.
2: So you raised two different issues there. One is access to justice. One is employment of lawyers. How is this an access to justice issue in your view?
0: Well, I view access to justice to be a term that applies more to those clients without means who are represented by legal assistance lawyers. I think the AVO and legal Zoom issue is more access to legal marketplace. And to me, and to those of us who gathered around and talked about this and looked at the facts, we believe that if we can facilitate or allow matching services to connect lawyers and those who have means, even at a moderate level, to hire lawyers, then those legal issues that go unmet today might have a better chance of being met. We were particularly taken by some of the advertisements by some of the matching services. They seem to be really good at stimulating a marketplace reaction showed lawyers as being helpful, competent problem solvers, and sent a message of solutions being possible. So that was part of our thinking as well.
2: I don't know if you were at the ABA uh, Center for Professional Responsibility Conference this past week. I was there, and this report was being talked about. And you know, lawyers seem to be sharply divided uh, on this question of whether, you know, even if this can enhance access to lawyers, uh, whether... It's the right way to enhance access to lawyers. I heard one lawyer in the audience refer to Ava Legal Services as just a kind of a glorified form of ambulance chasing. <laughs> You've looked very closely at this in this report. What's your response to that? Well, I was in, at the Louisville conference
0: as well, and I heard that lawyer say that, and I don't believe that's accurate. We've had differences with legal so not, or AVA over the years before this last study period, but I don't think that's the case at all. The real question, I think, was one discussed at some depth at the conference is, does allowing a matching service where a fee is earned by the matching service when a lawyer-client relationship is formed and the service completed in an amount that looks like it's a percentage or proportion of the legal fee, is that really the kind of fee split that needs to be prohibited? There are some very good discussions by people in the audience, and I was I really enjoyed listening to those comments. And, of course, we all talked about the examples of the prepaid plans and the insurance defense model where there is indeed some influence on a lawyer, but the rules recognize that those influences don't compromise independence. So the question is for legal professional responsibility is, can and should the Supreme Court of Illinois permit the fee split that, as an example, the AVO legal services uh, model provides.
2: Did I understand you to say that you don't see this report as taking a position or necessarily advocating for a position on this?
0: I think it's a lean into how this could work. And it certainly gets close, but we don't, we've not made a recommendation at some point after public comment, Our Board of Governors, called our Commission, will take all the information, decide what they would like to do with it, and they might make a recommendation to the Illinois Supreme
2: Court. Well, you have a section of the report in the appendix called Draft Framework Proposal, uh, which kind of outlines what this rule could look like. That looks like a proposal, and it's called a proposal. What's the purpose of that? What is your thinking around that?
0: A framework so people could actually see what it would look like. And it would be fair to say there's a lien in the study, but it's not yet a proposal. We want to hear from all sides. We have had at our table the Illinois State Bar and Chicago Bar, and we're going to speak with them more. We expect to reach out to AVO and Legal Zoom and others and our Access to Justice folks here and spend the summer really hearing from people as to what they think and whether uh, we can accomplish something here that serves the objectives I talked about at the front end of this conversation.
2: Yeah. It's a fascinating document, and I hope listeners to this program will take the time to uh, read it. We'll be sure to include a a link to it. With the notes for this show, I've written about it on my blog, uh, Law Sites, with with a link to it. It's on the ARDC uh, website, 124-page report. Almost reads a little bit like a legal brief. I mean, you've really done your research here, and you talk about the issues broadly, the ones you've already outlined. You also talk about how other states and how the ABA has addressed this issue. And you talk as well about uh, some of the other uh, possible legal issues, constitutional issues, antitrust issues. I have to say congratulations on this had to have been a lot of work just to put this together. And it's a fascinating read for anybody.
0: There's a lawyer in our office, a young lawyer out of Kent, a law school here who has made it most of his last year of time working on that. But the important thing is we could I believe no matter what our court does and what we recommend to them, we can say to our Supreme Court that if it were to to maintain the present rules or to go in the direction of the framework, they would be on firm antitrust and constitutional law footing and could adopt a rule that would be uh, pretty difficult to challenge.
2: Yeah. And I guess the other thing, we talked about unmet legal needs uh, and the other aspect of this that you talked about Addressing through this report is that of the underemployment of attorneys in Illinois. And of course, that's not just in Illinois. So again, I, how do you see what Avo is offering as potentially a solution for that issue of uh, underemployment of attorneys? I want to be broader
0: than Avo And they've spent a lot of time with Jack King from Avvo and Jazz Rementhal from Legal Zoom. But the ABA tells me there might be 400 services like this out there. And uh, so we want to see whether, I guess the question is, can these services bring lawyers and clients together to provide more legal work for lawyers that's meaningful to people who today wouldn't even consider hiring a lawyer? Perhaps they don't see their issue as legal, don't see a lawyer as a problem solver, or don't think they can afford it. So our State Bar, did a great study on the unmet legal needs themselves. And I want to push back a little bit on your very fine writings. <laughs> uh, I, I think I don't think they're at all demonstrating hypocrisy. They just see a core value in their view of Rule 5 and 4. And, uh, but they have been at this issue of access to justice and access to marketplace and doing it in great good faith. And we will work with them. The Chicago Bar Foundation, not the Bar Association, but I suspect they're aligned, uh, has taken a little different approach, and they would open up 5-4 to allow for the matching services, at least their proposal today would do that without any regulation of the matching services, or at least without any required regulation of the matching services.
2: Yeah, and I have to uh, say, underscore that hypocrisy was my word and not yours and not contained anywhere in that report and uh, when I wrote about the report. But it kind of sounds that way as you read the report because, I mean, you seem to be saying, uh, the report seems to be saying, that bar associations have not-for-profit matching services that function essentially... The same way as the for-profit referral services do. Bar associations not only allow those nonprofit referral services to operate, but in fact, often they are operating them themselves. And in some cases, these might be the same bar associations that are issuing ethics opinions against the for-profit services. And when you focus on that fee issue, that question of is this fee sharing of some kind, it sounds a little hypocritical to me. So I mean well,
0: yeah, I hear you, But you know, the one <laughs> part of the analysis that permits those carve-outs to five four that developed over time as is, is one of our one of your colleagues, our colleagues mentioned at a couple sessions in Louisville, is that bar associations are not for profit. More than that, they are part of the fabric of the profession and, and in one sense are organizational officers of the court, and they lean heavily into access to justice. So you could certainly make that argument. I I happen to believe in that argument, but I might also—you've picked up the lean of our study pretty well, Bob.
2: (laughs) I thought it was also interesting, uh, certainly to me, because I've talked and, and written about this in the past, that there's a section of the study titled Legal Profession's Resistance to Change. And the opening sentence of this section says, the legal profession's resistance to change impacts potential clients' access to the legal market and lawyers' access to new and innovative ways to reach clients. Why did you feel it was important to kind of address that? Does it surprise you that lawyers generally and bar
0: associations as populated by lawyer members have resistance to change?
2: Does it surprise me? Not at all, no.
0: No, it just kind of, it is, we are a precedent-based Profession and the rule of law is what drives us. So I think we have some difficulty in effectuating change. But I, I want to return to the thought that we got together legal Zoom Avo Chicago Bar ISB and others to have a some really wonderful conversations that helped form this report.
2: Yeah, but I mean, you're in doing that, you're somewhat going against the grain. I mean, you you cite uh, in the report the uh, example of, of the uh, ABA partnering with Rocket Lawyer in 2015 in a pilot program in several states, including Illinois, and then almost just as quickly uh, backing out of it again when it proved to be uh, something that was not popular with the ABA members. So, I mean, it's a real problem that is institutionally ingrained uh, in the legal profession, and it's something that really does stand in the way of progress.
0: There is a natural ingrained resistance among lawyers generally. And it's, I think, nationally true. It's not untrue here, but here, unlike any other state, people's eyes are open to consider what works in the best interest of the public. I don't want to say other states aren't thinking that way, but we happen to be the first to come out with, I think, a comprehensive study of this issue, of course, based upon access to justice studies done by the organized bar. I want to make sure we're balanced here. Right.
2: I want to get more into the report and the framework that you've outlined here, but uh, we do need to take a quick commercial break. So why don't we do that now? And uh, when we come back, we can talk a little bit more about the framework that you talk about in this report. So please stay with us. We will be right back. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and get a 10% discount for your first six months. When you sign up at their website, clio.com, that's C-L-I-O.com with the code L2L10, that's L2L, the number 10. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer. This is Bob Ambrogi, and today we're talking with Jerry Larkin, administrator of the Attorney Registration and Disciplinary Commission in Illinois, about a report that they have just issued on uh, matching services uh, and uh, framework for perhaps making uh, that more workable for consumers and for lawyers and, uh, and for uh, the professional responsibility community as well, I guess. So, Jerry, tell us what the framework is that you've kind of laid out here as a starting point for this conversation. How do you see this potentially working?
0: Well, I believe that at the highest level, the rules would be amended, 5-4 and the 7-series rule amended, to allow Illinois lawyers, if this were adopted, recommended to the court adopted by the court, to accept cases from a matching service that was registered with the ARDC. So there are two prongs to this, and there are would be in place certain restrictions to avoid compromise of independence. And on the other side, it would avoid us finding boiler room operations in the mix. The comment at the ABA conference in Louisville was, "Well, isn't this going to allow people to chase cases on the street?" And this is one reason it wouldn't. There'd be some bona fides to a matching service. It's not just Larkin boiler room operation in the basement of my house, employing runners to bring cases in.
2: So that registration uh, is key to it, as you see it. It is, and part of it might also
0: be to, much like the bar associations do today, ask those matching services to step up with some resources to go towards the access to justice issue, as opposed to the access to legal marketplace opportunity. And uh, I spoke with one of the matching services we've discussed earlier, And that representative said that would, of course, be something that would be uh, in the discussion, and I sense the willingness to make that kind of commitment to the the legal marketplace.
2: As you've outlined uh, this in the report, the lawyer's payment to the service uh, would be recognized as a percentage of the fee or could be recognized as a percentage of the fee. And I I thought that was interesting because there seems to be a great deal of acrobatics uh, by some of these services and and by the lawyers to define the payment as a marketing fee and, and to break it out as separate from the service's. That sometimes feels artificial, it sometimes feels like contortionism, and it seems to make so much more sense to to just call it what it is and give it the blessing of the rule.
0: That's exactly what we thought, and you could see that happening with the contingent fee permitted to a bar association referral organization. It wasn't in the rule to begin with, it happened, it was challenged in court in Illinois and elsewhere, and eventually it became permitted. I think it's better be realistic with what the rules are, be clear, rather than than resort to contortion.
2: You know, a lot of lawyers who are going to hear about this are, again, going to throw up the uh, argument that this is going to be bad for consumers and that these kinds of services can be bad for consumers. You're saying that by providing standards for the qualification and registration of these services, that you'll provide protections that otherwise wouldn't be there do you have a sense of what those qualifications would look like? Uh, how would you want to see a service such as this? What kind of protections for consumers would you expect would be necessary in order for a service to become qualified under this kind of a plan?
0: Well, I think that the service would have to show a bona fide uh, presence in Illinois, a registered agent, some corporate or, or some business structure amenable to service here. There's a process here. We would require a fee, an annual registration, and provide use our own disciplinary mechanism to uh, address failures in the various standards we would you know, the framework talks about, which are really very few right now. Might be more, but we watched the Florida model that was so far off of this, and we thought that our colleagues and we love from Florida just had too many regulations in the proposal that went to the court initially or the second proposal. So we learned from that. And really, we were just, at this point, the framework would say, no in-person solicitation, nothing false or misleading in terms of advertising. And we added something that would accord privilege and confidentiality to the preliminary communications between the respective client and the participating lawyer through the entity. And I don't know who else has thought of that, but we don't want if this entity is not a lawyer, obviously, we don't want a question of privilege to later arise.
2: One of the other issues that were raised in Louisville, that that have been raised in a number of the ethics opinion, is this concern that the arrangement between a lawyer and a service such as this could, in some ways, compromise the lawyer's uh, independence of judgment uh, in representing the client and in defining the scope of the representation and in setting uh, fees and determining appropriate costs. What's your answer to that? How does this framework address those kinds of concerns? I don't see anything in my
0: framework right now, but it would have something that would generally prohibit such intrusion on independence. But what I enjoyed listening to in Louisville, which was on my mind anyway, is this doesn't seem any more risky than the prepaid, the very carefully crafted uh, insurance defense model, and other models where others in the client are, have some presence in a lawyer client relationship. I'm confident we could figure out and assemble, if we go forward with this, any additional protections necessary. It does resolve another issue. It's not the only way to resolve it, but today, lawyers in Illinois I suspect in other states don't know what the rule is or there's a lack of clarity so we intend by whatever happens at the result end of this study and whatever proposal will go to the court I would imagine it would resolve ambiguity
2: Yeah, I think that's important. I mean, it seems inevitable to me that the rules are going to move in this direction. Uh, Something else that I picked up on uh, at the Louisville uh, conference was a comment made that they weren't aware of any basically reported instances of a consumer being hurt in any way by using AVO Legal Services or or any of the other services of that ilk. I don't know if that's your experience as well. I know I haven't heard of anything coming out of that.
0: That is our experience here. There is no, I am not aware of any grievance filed by a client who hired a lawyer through any of these matchmaking services.
2: Then the kind of the flip side of that is that there's a, again, it's something that came up at the Louisville conference, is, is that there are Oftentimes, uh, or, or in many cases anyway, these limited scope representations turn into longer term uh, lawyer-client relationships that these uh, one-time uh, instances of assistance uh, lead to uh, longer term relationships, especially if it has to do with maybe starting a business or something like that. And uh, I think that's something a lot of lawyers don't think about with these services. They think of them as these one-offs uh, in limited-scope situations, but uh, that's often not the case.
0: We had the same thought. If it's a lost leader, I'm not sure it even is a lost leader, but it would just be that. It would be if a lawyer provides high-quality service to a person forming a business, to use your example, there's a great chance that business person is going to pick up the phone next time and call that lawyer again.
2: So there have been several states that have issued ethics opinions uh, coming down uh, against lawyers participating in these services. Uh, most often, uh, they tend to focus on on the fee sharing uh, concern. I know there have been a few efforts uh, in the other direction as well. You've put this out for comment now, uh, and uh, I don't know whether you've started to get comments, but I'm sure you're getting a lot of, a lot of reaction. What's What's the reaction that you're getting so far? What are you hearing from people about this report?
0: We don't have many uh, email comments yet. I thought the Louisville reaction, though, to the extent of someone wanting to open this up, that conference is preaching to the choir. And I got the reaction I got there, plus really good thought, was what I expected. I did a talk just an hour and a half ago on this topic to some lawyers and get a lot of reaction they're absorbing it, and not even a handful of uh, email comments at this point. But we do about 300 talks a year at ARDC, and we will include exposition of this topic at those talks in the next several months and see if we can't stimulate a reaction. Uh, And I will circle back, and we're going to be talking to bar leaders in Illinois and also to... uh, the matching service uh, leaders and and other access justice uh, organizations and and complete this study and really understand as much as we can about all of the the nuances to
2: it. And so what's the longer term plan? You get the comments, you have these conversations, you talk to these uh, different uh, interest groups and entities. Will you be making a more formal recommendation at some point, or is that a matter of waiting and seeing uh, how this all turns out?
0: A little waiting and seeing, but I would predict that after a comment period, which might be extended, we will bring this back to our board of directors, our commissioners, and likely have something definitive as to what is identified in that study right now and make some recommendation to our court. You you saw, Bob, that the announcement of it was on our Supreme Court's website. So it's not unknown to those who govern the the regulatory uh, efforts here, and this is not purposeful, but we have found ourselves in Illinois to be willing to take some risks. We we adapted the proactive regulatory model that uh, came out of New South Wales in our first cycle of implementing that, and uh, it goes back to what I said. We're here trying to help lawyers to serve clients more effectively. That's
2: our touchstone. There's a lot in this 124-page report that, that that we haven't talked about. As, as I mentioned uh, before, you've got the whole sections on uh, on the constitutional issues, the, the antitrust issues. But just let me ask you before we wrap up, because we're running low on time, is there anything else that you really wanted to highlight or talk about with, with reference to this report while, while you have the floor here?
0: Not really. I think I, I, I touched just briefly at a high level on – You know, the constitutionality and uh, and antitrust issues, which I don't think are real issues given how we're addressing this. I think we've talked about the other issues as well. And uh, we are in a mode now where we're looking to engage lawyers and batching services and consumers and everyone in Illinois to inform us.
2: Well, you've posted this to the uh, ARDC website. You're accepting comments through August 31st, 2018 comments uh, can be sent to information at ARDC.org. Is there anything else our listeners should know about that comment process uh, or anything else with regard to responding to this report?
0: That's it. We've also spoken about it with our regulatory uh, colleagues from across the country. So I would expect to hear something from them too. In terms of our website and our email, it's IARDC.org is the website and information at IARDC.org is the comment email address.
2: Great. Well, uh, any last thoughts before we wrap up? Any final thoughts on this?
0: No, no. I appreciate the opportunity. I've read your articles on this topic. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today.
2: Well, I really appreciate your taking the time to do this uh, and uh, appreciate all the work that went into preparing this report. As I said at the outset, I, I really hope our listeners will take the time to read through it. It's a good read, if nothing else, especially for anybody who's uh, who's interested in this issue. Uh, you really lay it all out uh, thoroughly and in detail, and do a good job with it. And you know, all sides of it. It's it's a fair and balanced report. Does kind of take a position in my mind as I read it, uh, and I think you suggest as much. But it's it lays out, uh, I think, all of the issues in a fair way. Well, thanks a lot. We've been talking with Jerry Larkin, the administrator of the Attorney Registration and Disciplinary Commission in Illinois. Also want to just make a, a, a note, a special thanks to Jim Grogan, uh, Deputy Administrator and Chief Counsel at the ARDC for his assistance in uh, getting this program set up. That brings us to the end of our program. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. Also visit us at legaltalknetwork.com where you can leave a comment on today's show. Sign up for our newsletter. This is Bob Ambrogi on behalf of Craig Williams and uh, all the good folks at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another great legal topic when you want legal think lawyer to lawyer.
1: Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi for their next podcast, covering the latest legal topic,